0: Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. Hi, everybody. Daniel Reuters here. And today I'm joined by Dr. Tom Cowan. Uh, this is a interview or a podcast that I've been looking forward to doing for quite some time. And I'm really pleased to have you here, Tom. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I've got a little light and shining off my glasses there, but I don't know that there's anything I can do about that.
0: No, it's fine. Not a problem at all. Do you prefer Dr. Tom or Dr. Tom is fine. Tom is fine. Tom is fine. Awesome. Uh, Firstly, I just apologize to the audience. If my voice sounds a little bit deeper and huskier and sexier than usual, it's because I'm a little bit unwell. Um, But I didn't want to reschedule today because I've been looking forward to speaking with you for quite some time. Um, And, you're someone who's had a big influence on my understanding of the human body and health and disease. It really opened my eyes up to a lot of things as I was saying I've watched a lot of your videos and read your books and I appreciate the work you're doing. Um and even though I've had a lot of exposure to the work that you've done, many of my listeners probably haven't seen much of your stuff and I think having the opportunity for you to share your perspective is, is really important for the clinicians uh, and just the general public that are listening today. So yeah, you're a medical doctor. You've written a couple of books you've written um, human heart, cosmic heart, which was fantastic. And I recommend many people read that book. I also recommend my students read that book as well. Um, That's a fantastic book. And hopefully we can get into a bit of a conversation around that as well. Um, but first and foremost, I would be really interested in hearing what your perspective on the human body is and and what it actually is and how it functions, because your understanding is a little bit different to the mainstream perspective, right?
1: Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I think you have to narrow the question down a little bit, (laughs) but, but here, here's one way to answer that question. Um. And, and this gives you my, uh, my method of, you see, you see I, I think really what the difference with me versus maybe other people is, maybe not all other people, but some, is the way I go about trying to know things. Uh, the other thing I like to say is there's a difference between knowing and believing stuff. And so as far as it goes, I try not to believe anything. And, and, you know, there's an example of this that I like to use that the native American people said they could quote, talk to trees. Hmm. And the Europeans came and said, you know, there's a tree. I don't, I I don't hear anything. I, you're ridiculous. The trees can't talk. And so they didn't, so they didn't believe them. Uh, The native people, however, had, could predict things and get information from the trees. And the problem is trees don't don't speak English and they don't speak like you and I are speaking. They speak in another way. And my point is, if I asked you, do you believe in chairs? That's like a ridiculous question, like, I don't believe in chairs, right? I'm sitting on a chair, and I have pretty good uh, understanding uh, that there are chairs. And similarly, with the Native people, they had messages and could communicate and essentially talk to trees because they took 30, 40 years to learn their language. Put it another way, if I was a tree, I wouldn't talk to the white people either. Because all they do is cut you down, yep. and and it's not surprising that they didn't hear anything. Because I wouldn't talk to them either. So if you ask me, uh, so what is a human being made of? Now, I could ask you. So what? What do you? What, what is your answer to that question?
0: Well, um, it's probably the same or similar to how you're going to answer it, because I've been watching so much of your stuff. All right. So that doesn't.
1: It. So, so here's what I. Here's how I say that or answer that a human being has a head and ears and nose and a mouth and hands and fingers and legs and arms and i know that there are an occasional person who doesn't have an arm but more or less uh that's what you can say a human being is now the question is how do i know that uh first of all i everybody i've ever seen who i would say that's likely a human being or a person or a man or a woman, uh, has all those things. So that's one way. Second way, everybody agrees, as far as I know. Third way, all the ancient scientific disciplines like Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and you know all that, they all agree with that, right? They all say that. So we're on pretty safe ground. I don't believe people have heads. I have direct experience of that. Now, you could say, what's underneath that, right? So there's uh, things like organs, heart, lungs, brain, blood vessels, nerves, you know, spleen, liver, et cetera. So it's, again, the question is, how do I know that? Well, uh, I've been an ER doctor. I've seen people like stabbed and shot, and I've seen their, their heart and lungs. Now, you could say... How do I know that getting stabbed doesn't, the injury doesn't lead to the creation of a heart? Now, I would say that's extraordinarily unlikely, but it's a good point. So you can look like on an ultrasound, you could say the same question. How do you know shooting an ultrasonic beam at a person doesn't make a heart form? Uh, again, it's pretty unlikely, but it's an interesting question. And you could do that with a CT scan, you can do it with an ultrasound, you can do it as surgery, and you can even kind of feel it in a person, right? Uh, And so I think the other thing is all the other disciplines, Chinese medicine, etc., they all believe there were hearts. In fact, they put a lot of attention into the organs. They said, you know, disease was too much or too little flow through the liver or the spleen or the kidneys or whatever so i think we're on pretty safe ground now you can then go even deeper so we're trying to figure out what a human being is made of and uh you could say let's look at the liver so what is the liver made of and people would say liver cells and then, and i would say how do you know they're made of liver cells well I took a piece of somebody's liver out of their body and I stained it and I dried it and I fixed it. And then I put it under a microscope and I could see the liver cells. Right. Now, the question is, how do you know all those things didn't change the appearance and maybe even create the formation of these compartments? Because here we get into trouble because All those things produce a dramatic change in what you're looking at. Yes. A change, by the way, that is not taken into account in modern science since hundreds of years. They assume, without knowing, that none of those things actually change the appearance, even though it's obvious that they do. Hmm. And so here's the other question Has anybody ever seen a liver? cell in an intact liver and the answer is no and it could be it's a you know it's a technical problem right we don't have the technology to do that but it could be that they're not there Hmm. and that when you anesthetize it or remove it or kill it you actually create the formation of something different now we know that happens with bacteria. If you threaten bacteria, they form spores. Right. That's not what bacteria, you could say that's what a bacteria is made of, spores. And you would be wrong because they're generally not. And so I have come to the conclusion that the cellular theory is suspect. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, all these people, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic, etc none of them ever talked about cells. They, they the, the idea that we're made of cells came about by a guy. His name was Rudolf Virchow. 1859, he wrote a book on cellular pathology, and he was criticized at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it goes to what is a human being then? So, if you look at a liver. It it could so we now know there's around 8, 188 different tissue types. 44 of them have no cells. They're syncytium, like the lens of your eye, because it would be extraordinarily stupid to divide up the lens of your eye into little, because then you'd see this grid. Exactly. And so that's stupid. But why would you do that to your liver? Why mm-hmm. make it more difficult for the liver to communicate? And at the end of the day, all you can actually demonstrate that an organ is made of is there's basically organized water that's, you know, a sort of coherent, multi-level, sort of polarized water. It's got nuclei in it. It's got mitochondria in it. And it's got DNA in it. Uh, and proteins and minerals and fats and a bunch of other things essentially dissolved either in the nucleus or the water. Now, if you want to really get into it, uh, you could say, so what is the system that we're dealing with? Mm. And I would say the system is you have this big pool of water and it has a dome-shaped nuclei in it because all the nuclei that we've ever seen are circular you know round and they're embedded in the water and then sticking out of the nuclei is this spiral which we say is dna but it's actually water and the dna is essentially lining the spiral so in other words the system is antenna to collect light and sound and thoughts and feelings and information from the world and it downloads that if you want to use that word into this circular dome right that's the nucleus that's embedded by these proteins probably into the into the pool of water and that information stream creates the living being incredible now Let me, if I can screen share, let me show, can I, I'll show you something that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let me show you this. So this is, you can see this. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Now this is what we're told the cell is made of, but most of these things are actually artifacts, which means they don't exist like a ribosome. And how do I know that? Because every ribosome you see here is circular. And if you realize that the way you got this picture, this is a picture, right? It's not real. Uh, The way you get a picture of the circles is you grind it up in a blender and you dehydrate it and you freeze it and you stain it. And there's no way you could take a tissue and grind it up in a blender and every piece of it would be a perfect circle. Right. Right? It's like an orange. Uh, it it would have to be a sphere. Hmm. And so you can actually demonstrate that this structure is actually a gas bubble. And it comes about because of the way we prepare the tissue, which means, and it actually interesting name, it means rib of the body, which is a rib of the soma. And so they're playing with you by mocking you by conjuring up images of adam and eve right Uh, and that's where the uh mrna is supposedly translated into protein but there is no such thing as a ribosome same with this endoplasmic reticulum etc uh all there is this this is a cell is a membrane water nucleus which is round and then you don't see the antenna, but that's sticking out of the nucleus. And the nucleus is embedded into the water. Right. Right. So here's the system. Antenna, dome, columns into the water. Hmm. Right. Now, that's a ribosome. You can see they're always circle. There's hmm. a ribosome, etc. cetera. Uh, I won't show you this, but... see that picture there
0: (laughs) yeah it's exactly what you're describing as a so there's yeah there
1: there's the antenna there's the dome there's the columns there's the water
0: and so sorry dr Cowan, to my understanding the reason why they shaped those buildings the way they did was to harness energy
1: maybe but uh, uh, what you can say for sure is whoever made this and they, they were a pretty sophisticated architect was trying to tell us something or trying to do something that has to do with the fundamentals of life, mm. you know, and you see it, you see it all over this, is the Vatican antenna dome columns, water, mm. you see it, St. Petersburg antenna domes columns, you don't see the water and here's, you know, they don't, they, the antenna got knocked off the the point is the question about uh so i'm going to stop this Uh, that's different so the, the question of uh this is a description of the system we're working with and you can look at every health situation as it's either a problem of the information right so you're supposed to get information that your antenna downloads from the sun and light and thoughts and feelings and the earth and your cat and your loved one and how the world is right then you have a system for for collecting that and your water turns that into structure now if your water is disorganized why because you've got poisons in it, or because you, you know, you're, you don't have the right proteins, or you don't have any magnesium, or, you know, there's a million reasons why you're disorganized, you cannot make proper structure. And then your body has to dissolve it with fever, and run it out, that's mucus. And then we say you're sick. You're not sick, you're, You're reorganizing your structure so it's better. And that's the fundamental difference is modern medicine thinks of diseases as, oh, your car broke down. Yeah. Uh, But they're not. They're the body's healing attempt. Right. If you don't have flow in your blood vessels, you clamp down on the tubes and that creates more flow. Unfortunately, we call that high blood pressure. It's not a disease. It's a sophisticated strategy of creating more flow. But the doctors and unfortunately, even the naturopaths don't understand that. So they give you a beta blocker or an herb to lower your blood pressure. Right. And then it doesn't really work. Yeah. They say the blood pressure is the problem. Right. Yeah. It's not. The blood pressure is the solution to poor flow. And then you have to ask, why would a human being have poor flow? Then you find out that the reason there's flow is the interaction of ultraviolet light with the earth, with the water, creates flow. I wrote about that in the Heart book. Hmm. So that's if you've never been out in the sun or, or you've never had your bare feet on the earth, You're going to have poor flow. And then your body says, this guy's an idiot. You know, I have to clamp down on the vessels and I'd rather not have to do that. Right. Because it's a problem, but Mm. I got no choice because he won't go outside.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And um, it's interesting that you say that because I was interviewing um, Dr. Gaetan Chavalier a couple of weeks ago, and he's done a lot of research into grounding. Yeah. And he was talking about the fact that the blood pressure goes down very soon after you start to make contact with the earth. So there are things to this that we, we like to think that we understand, but we probably don't really know exactly what's going on. Um, But I think the the model that you put forward is, is uh, probably more aligned to reality and the truth than what's in the medical textbooks. That's for
1: sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the reality that the problem is you know for for whatever reason we've been duped into not investigating the process process by which we investigate things as if that's irrelevant mm-hmm. in other words when you so if you talk about viruses the only way a virus has been seen is you take a tissue and you macerate it, centrifuge it, freeze it, stain it, dehydrate it, and shoot an electron beam at it to to get rid of all the water. Mm. Now, if I said, Daniel, I'm going to find out what your hand is made of, what it looks like, and what it does. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut your hand off your body. And I'm going to put it in a. I'm going to put it in a blender, and then I'm going to put some. Uh, freeze it, and then when turns into dust, I'm going to get rid of any water that's left, then I'll put some osmium tetrachloride stain in it, and then I'll shoot an electron beam at this dust, and then I'm going to tell you what your hand does. Sounds pretty scientific and, to me. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> and and that's why I've taken to saying the real definition of science is the the process, or I would almost say the art, of getting you to believe things, which if you actually understood what they were talking about, you would never believe it. Mm. Like nobody would believe that that's a reasonable way of finding out what your hand does. Mm. And yet that's how they found out what a virus does. And and, and the only reason you believe it is because you don't actually know what they did. They just say, I saw a virus.
0: And also just linking those two points that you've made in regards to there potentially not being a cell with the organelles and things in it that we have come to the understanding or the misunderstanding that there actually is these organelles. If those organelles aren't there and the cell doesn't function the way that we've been told that also then therefore negates viruses as well, because there's no way for them to replicate and do all these things and hijack the cell and and do whatever we're told that they actually do. Right.
1: There's no cell membrane receptors. Hmm. And so there can't be, you know, all they've ever seen from uh, here, I'll give you another example. Uh, if I told you that I walked down my, my your street and I looked for little bits of paper and I didn't see it. And then, and then I came back and there was two old houses on your street. I came back a week later and there was hundreds, thousands of little bits of paper scattered all over the lawn and the houses were demolished. And I said to you, Daniel, I know how those houses got demolished. Those little bits of paper, which I couldn't see in the beginning, they, got, they injected themselves into the house, reproduced, blew up the house. And now that's why you see these millions of little papers in other words, Dostoevsky blew up your house, you would say, this guy's a lunatic. Nuts. And, Nuts. and so here's viral theory. You don't see any viruses uh, in the tissues of a, of, a, of a normal person or even a sick person, never found. Mm. And then they, they say they find lots of viruses you know, in a culture, but let's say in, in the same person after they had a viral infection, they don't see any of the steps in between. They just assume that if you don't see any in the beginning and you see a lot at the end, they must have injected themselves, reproduced and blew up yourself. Same as your house. And it's it's actually nonsensical thinking. It doesn't mean that at all. You know, and you and when you get to that, this organelles, you know, the co- these components inside a cell, like mm. uh, and even receptors on a membrane. And if there's no receptors, there's no place for the virus to attach to. Mm. If I said, uh, you know, I I was interested in Volkswagens, and so I went to the junkyard and I saw this Volkswagen. You know what a Volkswagen? Yes, the car. Yes. And you know they have those big wrecking balls, and they poof, smash the Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. So I sat there, I watched it, and then I I examined the Volkswagen, and I and then I said, oh, it's amazing that you can drive a Volkswagen with the car in the boot, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> right. the, the the steering wheel, sorry, the steering wheel is in the is in the boot.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's amazing how the technology or the sophistication of the engineers to be able to drive a car with the steering wheel in the boot. And then somebody, well, you know, the steering wheel wasn't in the boot until you smashed it (laughs) to smithereen. I know. See, forget about, we don't care about the process. Mm. We don't, we, and so, so they do all these things, you know, to the, to the membranes and the cells and the tissues. And then they find proteins, which you never, you never see. I defy anybody to show me an actual picture of a cell membrane bound protein receptor. Doesn't exist. Does not exist. All they see are proteins. They don't know where they're from. They smash the cell and then they say, oh, this one has lipids in it. And since we think the membrane is lipids. It must have been in the cell membrane, and and then they show you the picture of the whirly gig with the with the receptor, and it goes in and out, yep. and it's all these these drawings. And it's nonsense.
0: And I mean, you're not the only person talking about this because I've had uh, people like Professor Gerald Pollack on the on the podcast, and he was talking to me about how he and his team went looking. For these so-called receptors on cells and i think in the literature they've identified about two and a half thousand of these cells uh these receptors yeah. sorry and his team and it, it, which is interesting
1: one. because there, there's two and a half thousand parking places in a half a millimeter right yeah and, and nobody ever like does them you know hillman did the math if you if you added up all the the volume of all the organelles that are supposedly in there they would be like 10 times the, the total volume. of cell. <laughs> I mean, they never do that. They just, Oh, there's another one. And another one. And, and uh, anyways, I interrupted you, but.
0: And the body's incredibly efficient as well. Like having um, compartments with organelles and secondary messenger systems and, and um, chemicals that talk between cells is so inefficient and slow. And it's almost a redundant process. Yeah. I, I just I look at that and go, the body is is far it's a very simplistic way of looking at the body, I think, from that cellular perspective.
1: I mean, as simplistic is one way, stupid is another. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things that, that convinced me, and I was, yeah, I wrote this in the heart book. You know, everybody knows the anatomy of a nerve, right? There's a nerve body and then an axon like a tail. And then it ends in a synapse, like a moat, right? And then you have this chemical that swims across the moat and attaches to the uh, postsynaptic receptor, right? So that's how it works. You got this calcium and magnesium going down the line and it triggers the release of a chemical, serotonin, you know, all that. And it goes across the moat but you never see a moat except in an electron microscope where the tissue is dehydrated. Mm. But if you think about it, if there's, if between your ear and the tip of your finger, there's 20 nerves, right? So 20 synapses. And I looked it up and they said, the amount of time it takes for the chemical to trans, to go across the moat is 0.05 seconds. So 20 times 0.05, that's one second.
0: Uh, in itself. It's just,
1: that's just the moat part that's mm. not the, the axon. so I ask people so close your eyes, put your fingers out I'm going to say right or left and as soon as you hear me say it move the tip of your finger so right, boom uh, left well it's hard to do uh, over the thing Yeah. right <laughs> so how long does that take? it's instant instant but if it if there were synapses, it would have to take at least a second. Yes. And if you think that most of the way is the nerve, so we're talking at least three to four seconds, and that would mean okay, so you hear right, thousand one, thousand two, thousand three, boom, like that's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh In other words, again science is the art of convincing people of things that nobody would believe that mm. if they actually knew that cannot be that there everything in the human being or any living system essentially is instantaneous mm-hmm. right otherwise it wouldn't work yes and you can't move chemicals around that fast mm. it's they just don't move that fast so, We can't be a biochemical system. The chemicals are the result of whatever the process is, which has to be a, you know, some sort of electrical, you know, or moving in the ether or something, you know, it's hard to know what to say about that. I don't want to, just because I know what it is, it doesn't necessarily mean I know what it is. but I know it's not chemical and I know there can't be synapses Mm. and you know Hillman proved the only way you can see synapses is dry the tissue and then it separates and then you make a moat yeah and for some reason you know scientists so-called and medical doctors they can't get (laughs) just they can't see it
0: yeah they've never been trained to think that way um, yeah. So therefore they and so
1: they have all these drugs for for neurochemicals, you know. Yeah. The whole thing is neurochemicals, Prozac, you know, and and receptors, opiate receptors, and you know, serotonin receptors. It's it's all make believe.
0: Doctor Cowan, I want to get your perspective, and I don't know how much you know on this topic, um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about moles and fungus. Because I did a podcast and a webinar recently about this. And I went looking molds? for the evidence of uh, mold making people sick. Because as soon as you see did a bit you of mold. Did you
1: say mold or molds?
0: Uh, mold. Mold.
1: Mold, like fungus.
0: Yeah. So if you get a bit of like dampness in the corner of your room, you'll see some mold growing, right? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and people say that the mold causes disease. So I went looking for the evidence to try and see if they've done any experiments where they've exposed people to just mold and were able to induce illness. But there was only one experiment that I could find and they were unable to make healthy people sick. So I thought, well, what could be potentially uh, causing that? And I found out that that mold is there to bioremediate toxins that are leaching from the building material. And it's possibly the inhalation of that toxic chemical building material waste that is causing symptoms identical to like mold related illness. Um, So that's where my sort of reading and research has taken me, but I'm just interested to hear your perspective. If, if you've um, looked into this at all.
1: You know, I haven't, but that sounds right to me. Right. Okay. And, And you know, I mean, the way you went about doing this is, is correct. And, The only other thing I would say is the importance is to go into it, not caring whether mold makes you sick or not. Mm -hmm. If it makes you sick, it makes you sick. If it doesn't make you sick, it doesn't make you sick. What possible difference would that make to you? None. Um, None. Right. So it didn't make any difference to me either. Uh, So I go look for a study exactly like you said, isolate the mold, expose people to mold, doesn't make them sick. Fine. Doesn't make you sick. If And then, you know, because mold similar to mushrooms, they actually bioremediate poisons. You know, mm-hmm. you throw oil on the beach and then you put a fungus and it eats, the, it, eats it and you can even eat the mushroom. Uh, so, right. It could be that. And people blame it on that and make lots of money and make all these tests on mold. And it's not the mold, really. I mean, I don't know this so much because I haven't looked into it like you have, but that would be my guess.
0: Well, it's interesting because we have two confounding factors there. We've got the mold and we, uh, sorry, we've got three because we've also got the dampness and we've also got the toxins from the building material. So which one of those three is it that's actually making people sick? And when you look at the scientific evidence, they've done the exposure studies with these chemicals like formaldehyde and all these things that are coming out of the building material. And when they expose people to this in under controlled settings, they get symptoms identical to mold related illness. So to me, it's sort of like case closed. (laughs) Why is there this discrepancy here? And we've got people hunting down mold and trying to get themselves better from killing off this mold in their house, but they're never addressing the underlying issue, which is the the toxins in their building material it's it's um
1: it's yeah you know i i i do know something about toxins in building material because yeah at one point a while ago i was looking into building a house out of moonwood and What's moon that's wood? not moon it's not it's it's not moon from the it's not wood from the moon because <laughs> that doesn't exist it's wood that was cut during the waning moon i mean right. the tree was cut Okay, and then they soak the tree, I think, upside down, after it was cut in in water, right. And what happens is the 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 channels of the tree fill up with this structured water, and then there's this Austrian or maybe Swiss guy can't remember his name, um, who builds houses that are. It's like what we call Tinker Toys. So there's no nails, there's no screws there. They cut it to, you know, dimensions. It like, like what we call timber framing. Mm -hmm. You know, they notch it. And then they put together these houses, the roof, the floors, the walls. Everything is made out of moonwood. So here's what you find. Uh, First of all, you can't burn these houses. They, they have a test in Germany where they put a like a 1700, I'm not sure the temperature, you know, blast of, of fire at a, at a, like a, a wall to test, you know, it's fire resistant. Yeah. And if it goes for two hours, that's considered fire resistant. And, you know, if it's less, they don't, they don't approve it because it's too, it's too much fire. This thing you can do for 12 hours and all it does is get scorched because it's basically organized water right it's it's acoustically amazing like you can have the band in the next room and you hardly hear it right it, it's totally protective against electromagnetic fields and yet it absorbs the earth energy hmm. and and y- you know it, so it, and when people live in that a lot of their health troubles go away interesting and why? Because we live in toxic dumps, mm-hmm. you know, y- your entire, uh, fr- you know, walls and everything is basically just glue, mm. right? It's, it's particle bore, or I don't know what, you know, most people's houses is, is, uh, drywall. And this is just chemical mess, And that is a huge factor in why people get sick. I mean, that's, again, it's the system you're living in, you know, that's poisoning you and poisoning your water. Mm -hmm. And I I looked into this because I didn't eventually do it because of money, but but it's an amazing way to build a house. And obviously that's how people, not exactly moonwood, but they build houses out of leather and, you know, skins and. Fur and wood wood is the best and if you harvest it at the waning moon you co- you keep the water in the channels and that's the insulation there's no you know wow. uh batting or whatever they put in there
0: and that's more expensive it's it's surprising how these natural building uh methods are more expensive than the, the typical way because you're using less stuff but i guess also your it's a it's a um it's a specialist type of like, yeah, building. I mean, isn't
1: it? I mean it, it it is more expensive in a way, but uh, the other thing is, I mean, it shouldn't be because you just get wood mm. and you, you build it to a form. It's like making Tinker Toys and it literally is assembled in a day. You know, you, you just put all the logs and you fit them together and they have dowels. So you hammer those in and it's done so it should be less expensive but it is because there's no chemicals there's no you know there's no any of that stuff Mm. and they have grooves for the wiring and the pipes and everything it's a brilliant it's amazing way so yes houses are sick the buildings are sick they're not they're made of chemicals they're you know loaded with uh, abnormal electrical fields because of the way they're wired and the pipes and the way the water runs and, you know, compare that to the Taj Mahal.
0: Yeah, exactly. And any of those old buildings which use stone and natural building material.
1: Yeah. Right. Wood and stone. And yeah, totally different.
0: So we're literally being bathed in a toxic soup of chemicals. We're breathing in toxic air we're living in toxic homes. Our food is poisoned. Um, do you think that might be the reason why we're getting sick, or do you think that um, maybe uh, there it is must a... be
1: viruses, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> which great... we can't see, we can't measure, we can't prove they're real, but th- there it can't be anything that we actually know makes you sick. It's a great That's distraction, easy. isn't it? Yeah. It's always got to be something that nobody knows whether it's real. You know, they've been they've been pulling that gambit for, I don't know how many hundreds of years. Mm. No, it's got to be the boogeyman. So it's always a boogeyman. And you don't, you know, you're going to go fight in a war against so-and-so who never did anything to you. You don't even know where it is on a map, for God's sake, you know. And yet you're going to go off to fight for God knows what crazy.
0: Yes, it is a a crazy world we live in. And do you think that if we were to live in harmony with nature, that we would have disease? Or do you think disease is really a consequence of modern Western toxic lifestyles?
1: Yeah, we would have. S- uh, symptoms of healing right Let, i give you an example uh because this is something i just saw last week uh, so again i was an er doctor you know sort of part-time for 10 years and so i had a, a situation i i have a kitten who's now a little bit older uh, male and he lives in the barn never been in a house lives in a wooden barn eats raw meat and stuff he finds and he goes off comes back uh and he's got a laceration in his ear and over his eye Hmm. and i looked at it and his big huge scab eventually and then he plucked the scab off and there was this deep laceration about a third of his ear right and he, you know, then he ate and off he goes. So even if I wanted to do something, there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I don't know, you know. I, so he comes back the next day and the whole area of his whole ear is like hard as a rock. Right. And, okay. And I didn't know what to make of that. Uh, he goes off. Next day, entire ear is pus and i thought every single situation i've seen in the emergency room if we had you know somebody's whole ear was pus yeah we would drain it and put them on antibiotics Mm -hmm. and we would say if you don't drain this and use antibiotics it's going to go to your brain and kill you Mm -hmm. Uh, every single abscess i've ever seen in my 38 year or so career has been drained. Not all of them did I use an antibiotic, uh, but a lot of them in the emergency we, room, we all did. So I've never seen that heal without, without draining. Right. Uh, big, anyways, there's nothing I can do. I told him he's going to go to the vet the day after I go to the doctor, which hopefully is no time soon. <laughs> Goes off like he does, comes back the next day. And there's a tiny little black dot there. Otherwise, the pus is you, gone. no pus. Wow. You couldn't see anything except a black dot. That was maybe a week ago. At this point, besides that the little orange hair is gone from the area, you cannot see which year it was. Wow. Now, why do I say that? Because it's, you know, here's a guy who... Uh, he's not a guy, but you know what I mean? Yeah. He eats raw meat. He's never been inside anywhere. He lives out in the fields, in the woods, and chasing birds and laying in the sun. And he did have an illness, right, from an injury. I think he fought. So much. I mean, I don't know what he does. but like the uh, yeah. he's Yeah. But then his body took care of it right so those kind of things would happen. now here here's my real point most people all, doctors have never seen that mm-hmm. never once they have all kind of stories about what's going to happen interestingly pumpkin never seemed bothered by the whole thing the whole time just come back eat go off what i don't know what he's doing and and i it changes once you see that you would realize that these things which were so determined to treat, because I really think anything I would have done would have made it worse. Right. Okay. Even putting a drawing salve or vitamin C, cats don't need vitamin C, um, anything, lancet, you know, it, it was going to lance when it needed to lance. Mm. I don't know when it drained, you know, when the pressure built up and it must have burst the hole and then it filled in. Hmm. And I tell you, I'd say probably 99% of the times that we intervene, we, we we don't need to, we shouldn't have, except the people are so weak and they they don't have these healing forces They're not outside, they're not connected to the earth, they're not grounded, they're on their cell phones and wireless devices all day, they're out of shape, they rarely move, Uh, they eat terrible food, They, you know, all this stuff. Uh, So that factors into it why we can't heal. But those are the reasons. Mm -hmm. And you can see it, you know, I mean, I saw it in, in my own eyes a week ago.
0: It's almost like if you were building a house and you ran out of material, the house is just going to sit there unfinished until such time as you get the material. So if your body doesn't have what it needs to heal, it's just going to stay in that sort of yeah limbo state of half healing, really, isn't it? And you're going to see that and go, oh, you're sick. You've got a chronic illness.
1: Yeah, and then you're going to try. Your body will try to compensate somehow. It'll Hmm. clamp down the vessels, or it'll make pus. Or you don't have the, you, you don't eat well, you don't move well, you don't, and so your body makes you tired. Why? So you don't hurt yourself because mm-hmm. you, you're out of shape. You don't, you, you can't do anything because you're so weak. And then we call that hypothyroidism. <laughs> That's not a disease. Mm-hmm. That's a protective response. Look how fat you You haven't moved in a month, you know, all you do is sit there and would like this, you know, you can't lift anything. If you did, you'd hurt, you'd throw your back out. So I'm going to make you tired. So you, until you figure out how to, you know, live in a new way, you know, and get yourself back together. And that's really what disease is. It's a, compensation mechanism for a weak tired you know there's a guy made a very good name we're no longer like homo sapiens we're homo uh homo domesticus fragilis
0: <laughs> and that's a pretty accurate reflection of what we yeah. really are
1: <laughs> right yeah. domesticated fragile like how many people have ever eaten a wild food
0: probably not many I have no, I've eaten a few. Yeah,
1: I have too. But it, it you know and it's interesting about that. If you go to like a wild mustard, mm-hmm. right? It's full of chemicals and phytonutrients and minerals and it tastes bitter and not very good. And then that has been cultivated to make broccoli. Right? right? Same family. Mm-hmm. Now broccoli is full of it's sweet and you know tastes really good and soft, it's not bitter, and so people love to eat it more or less. And what's happened is we've switched the nutrients of the plant into sugar, and all the real nutrients are are gone or less. Right, not that broccoli's so horrible, but uh, and then so essentially on the one hand we had all these nutrients minerals proteins chemicals and now we got sugar and then everybody gets diabetes (laughs) they say why do you get diabetes because every food is like that Mm we we used to have you know and it didn't taste so good right because it wasn't so sweet and so it's a sort of an acquired taste but that's that's what real food is And instead, you know, there was a study of an acre of prairie land in Kansas, like all the edible stuff, like the buffalo and the grasses and the berries and all the rest of it, all the nutrients were higher, molybdenum, protein, fats, everything was higher versus an acre of corn except sugar. Wow. So our, our whole food system is growing sugar interesting and growing no lower amount of nutrients and then people say yeah i'm sick like i don't have any nutrients you're right cuz eat sugar all day
0: and do you think that we could take that plant and just take a single nutrient out of it and put it into a bottle and then take it and it's going to do the same thing for us than if we ate the whole food
1: no. no so we have
0: to eat whole foods
1: yeah, I mean, and you have to eat, not only eat them, but some some of them need some processing, like you have to ferment it or maybe even cook something like, you know, acorns are a great food. Oh, really? You know, yeah, oak trees may they're extremely nutrient dense, abundant, everything. but uh, plants don't want you to eat their seeds. So they put certain tannins or poisons in there. So you can flush those out. And that's what the native people used to flush the tannins out. And then they made this flower that basically, you know, was a main source of nutrition. And so sometimes you have to know something about the plant or the animal or the part. But that was what, you know, ancient tradition was all about and food tradition. But yes, I am not a fan of single nutrient, just about anything.
0: Yeah, because they push that so much um, to the point now.
1: Vitamin D, yeah, zinc. Take zinc, take
0: vitamin D, take whatever individual nutrient, but they forget that in nature, those nutrients all come together um, as part of a whole plant. And you need all the chemicals and things within that plant in order for it to be utilized and metabolized and absorbed and excreted precisely the way that the body requires. So if we're just giving these individual nutrients, do you think that there's potential there that that may also be having a negative consequence on our
1: body? Absolutely. Makes you deficient in nutrients because you've essentially injected yourself with one of them, which then needs to get from your stores, the other cofactors that help it be utilized. And so if you take just ascorbic acid, you need magnesium and, manganese and probably other things. And you don't eat those because you don't, you forgot. And then you get uh, deficient in all those other things. And then the whole thing doesn't work and you end up nutrient deficient. And then
0: they give you a bottle of molybdenum to correct the deficiency.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) I can tell you pumpkin eats the whole mouse or the bird and that's it. Mm. He doesn't eat vitamin pills. Yeah. He doesn't like them.
0: And that's something that we've we've forgotten about, that that all these things that we've spoken about today, just the natural building processes, eating whole food, not surrounding yourself with poisons and toxins, that is the way we used to live. That is how things were done forever until maybe 100 years ago and then something changed and now we're here. And to answer the reason why everyone's so sick and there's so much problems going on is that there's a infectious small particle whether it be a parasite or a bacteria or a fungus or whatever that is the cause of the problem when in fact it's probably just mother nature trying to clean up the mess and we're blaming mother nature
1: couldn't agree more Mm.
0: much for us to unlearn and relearn
1: yeah and i wouldn't discount uh the the like psychic environment we live in Okay, Like it is not good to be subjected to lies all day. Mm -hmm. It's debilitating, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's debilitating, Um, you know, and you end up in conflict and fighting with people and, uh, you know, there's so much tension and really, you know, I, I, I mean, for me, everything I hear in the conventional uh, media, I just don't believe it. Hmm. And that—that that is a—it's uh, a debilitating environment to live in. I mean, you, you get—I got used to it now, but—but but it's not right, you know. You know, when you think about it, 150 years ago, nobody heard any words except from people they could actually see and question. Yeah. Right. You didn't you didn't have a radio. You didn't have a television or computers, even like Abraham Lincoln ran for president and went from town to town in the back of a train, supposedly. Mm. So everybody who heard him saw him and they could probably question him, you know, well, what do you think about this? Mm. And that's a whole different relationship than what we're doing now. Now, I'm not saying there isn't maybe some value in this, uh, but it's not a human scale life and so that causes problem and when everything in your life is like that you, you know and you're not even willing to breathe air except through a mask I mean you've got a real you got a real problem
0: and what do you think the answer is to this do you think we need to go back to living in a way that's more harmonious with nature sort of maybe the way we were living in the maybe forties and fifties or even earlier. What do you think?
1: No, I think we have to find out who built the Taj Mahal and how they did it and what they were, what they were thinking of, right? Because I have a feeling, I don't know this for sure that they knew how to, uh, they knew the system of life and capturing of energy that was free and abundant and could, lead to a new way of life that the likes of which we either never had or we used to have and we somehow lost the thread. Mm. I don't think we need, we don't need to live in poverty or, or want or we can live in abundance. Everything is there for us to use, but we've been diluted into not understanding the system that we're living in, and I think human beings could figure that out. I think they probably have. Otherwise, I don't know how they made that building. Mm. So that's the question: How did they do that? And what what were they collecting in that building?
0: Yeah, that would certainly be a a good place to start
1: to try yeah. and answer. And I don't know the answer, but I know there's some answer out there.
0: And, and we can't answer a lot of these questions. We need the collective hive mind to yeah. answer these questions. And that's why I think the work that you're doing and, and people like you is so important. Yes. And I see you week after week after week putting out videos and putting out these great books like The Contagion Myth and, and so on and so forth. And slowly, slowly you change the perception of one person, another person, another person, until eventually we reach critical mass and then we it's the turning point. Um, do you think we're close to the turning point? I don't
1: know. (laughs) I, 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 all I know, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind anymore. I'm just, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a saying in our house, just do you or do me and let everybody else figure it out for themselves. I, I, I can't even speculate. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's not my, it's not my business. My business is trying to figure out the best way to live for myself and speak about it as clearly as I know how and let the chips fall where they may. I can't do anything else.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that perspective. It's um, sort of the way that I'm taking my approach to things as well now these days because only the people who want to hear will listen. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Tom Cowan, thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. Just for the people who want to look at your website or read your books, where's the best place for them to get access to that info? Uh,
1: I think it's Dr. Tom Cowan, T O M D R, sorry, D R T O M C O W A N dot com. There's also a Dr. Cowan's Garden, D R C O W A N S. -S 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 Garden dot com, and pretty much everything will be on one of those two websites.
0: Okay, fantastic. And your books as well; they can get access to books from those websites. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Cowan. I really appreciate you coming and speaking with me.
1: All right. Take care. Thank you you. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning
0: in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the
1: discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.